Hello and welcome to the Haven Ridge Podcast. We have Dr. Alan Birchfield. What's up, people? <laughs> and the man, the myth, the legend, Antoine Hendricks. <laughs> no. Hello. <laughs> Alan, how was it today? This was your first week at the abortion clinic. What do you think? You know, you never want to say it was good, right. you know, because that's because of the nature of what's happening. But, you know, it was good in the sense that you know, you have to come face to face with the reality of what's happening in the world around us because that's going to bring sobriety because I think it's easy to be disconnected uh, from these things because we're so sheltered and things are disguised or masked so that, you know, quite frankly, the enemy just doesn't want us having to deal with these things. You know, either he wants to scare us away from confronting them, um, you know, because uh, the alternative is that we, we do confront them. So, you know, so... Maybe these things are masks, or they're just they're they're hidden from our sight. I mean, look at look at the location. I mean, we drive way out here, you know, anywhere from any of our normal routes, you know, or routines, and you have a building that's hidden behind a, a giant hill and fence and a fence. You know, you would you would never know, and a sign that's not screaming for attention. You know, that's trying to draw people. So, but it was good in the sense that. You're there, and you're, you're you're just coming face to face with decisions that life-altering, eternal-type decisions that people are making every single day. In just a couple hours that we were there, countless people coming in and out. You know, not to mention the people that are there. You know, banking on you know their 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 works or their crusade. You know, for for anti-abortion that's going to hopefully earn them uh, favor with God. You know, uh, when when that's not God's standard to begin with. Um, I I did notice that you spent a good chunk of time with with Jim. Uh, uh, I probably shouldn't even say his name. I won't say his last name then. <laughs> but Jim, uh, who's our Catholic friend out there, um, what did what did y'all cover? I know y'all talked for a good chunk of time. Well, with Jim, you know, the opportunity just kind of came up, you know, and 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 the, he didn't seem or Jack, whom we won't say his last name. <laughs> uh, those guys didn't. You know, they didn't seem like they were in a hurry to go. They seemed like they were willing to have some conversation. So the thought was, okay, let's 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 try to get into a conversation. So I just, I guess my approach, you know, uh, became more direct, but kind of kind of built into it. A because I this was my first time to meet these guys, uh, so my approach was not just come out of the gate guns blazing, but kind of slowly build a rapport. So you know, we just talked about you know um, what Al Mohler calls theological triage. And we talked about there are things that divide us denominationally. There are things that divide us, you know, in the same denomination, but we can still be in disagreement, you know, like uh, like your eschatology. You know, I can be an amillennial and you, Aaron and Antoine, can be, you know, a premillennial. And we can still worship under the same roof. But there are things like baptism that will separate us denominationally like you're probably not going to stick around the baptist world if you're you know if you're a you know a, you know a, a pedo baptist uh you know if you baptize babies um and so you'll go to another denomination but we can still be christians we can still be brothers in that sense but then there's the third level of theological triage and that is the the core issues that are fundamental to the christian faith you know you have to subscribe to the lordship of jesus his gospel the true gospel um in order to be right with god and and that's where we are divided so once he was in agreement with that we started to talk about 
the things in the Catholic Church versus the Protestant Church, and more importantly, the things that he held as a person in subjection to the Scriptures that I held in as a person subjected to the Scriptures. Because if you get hung up on denominational, you know, uh, titles, you know, you can easily move away from Scripture. You know, because your 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 authority that you're appealing to is a denomination and not the ultimate authority being God's Word. And so, you know, we just try to go to, okay, here's the, dom- the, the divisions that we have denominationally, but in that, this first tier of theological triage, we have a fundamental difference in the way that we view the gospel. And so we started talking through that, you know, but which was interesting about Jim is, you know, f- from my, my being my first time to talk with him, you know, he seemed to be a convictional Catholic. And we talked about that, you know, being convictional versus just kind of riding the coattails of someone else. And, uh, and, and those guys seem to be convictional, you know, very sincere in what they believe. Of course, you can always be sincerely wrong, and I can as well, but they seem to be sincere. So we, you know, we started talking about the differences, um, the differences in, in the gospel. And we, I should say we worked up to that. Because we talk through, you know, we talk through man, we talk through man being broken, born in sin, which he, funny enough, agreed with, but I'm told he, he wouldn't agree with that last week. <laughs> so he agreed with that, you know, which which was good, I guess. You know, if he truly believes that now, that's something that maybe a foundation can be built on. And uh, just try, I tried to just show him the logical conclusion of things, tried to show him how the how the New Testament narrative or the biblical paradigm kind of works itself out to show that man starts being broken, man starts to be absolutely separated from God, and the wrath of God abides on them, and that is right and just because God is right and just. God is holy, He's pure, and so His holiness and purity demands that God responds to sin in this way, namely wrath, which flows from justice. And so once we talked about those things, you know, uh, he didn't he didn't give me too much pushback on that. You know, he actually was compliant with a lot of things that I was surprised he was compliant with, um, which is a first for me, really dealing with, with, with Catholics, especially convictional Catholics. And uh, so, in a nutshell, you're, we just talked through um, kind of that logical outworking of being born in sin, which he agreed with this time, being broken, needing an advocate, needing a substitute, which he agreed was Christ and Christ alone. But he started to talk about tradition. He did end up saying, you know, the gospel and tradition. He never said the church. He never used the word works, but he's probably learned to not to not uh, poke that bull. And, uh, and I said, okay, you know, what do you mean by tradition? You know, but then he began talking about, which I still don't fully understand, to be honest. I thought maybe he was referring to their, their, their rituals and stuff like that, because in Catholicism, it's very ritualistic, it's very traditional, you know, and I'm not saying tradition is always bad. We do a lot of things because of tradition, but tradition is in no way a basis for right fellowship with God. So I was trying to get how he was reconciling traditionalism, me thinking it was works, with right fellowship with God, which he never came out and said works, but he started talking about the tradition was that the writers of the New Testament wrote based on oral tradition, you know, and Antoine, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's all I gathered from what he was saying, mm-hmm. but he said it's oral tradition to which I said, well, I said, Jim, I said, they were eyewitnesses. There was not like hundreds of years between <laughs> Christ and the disciples. I mean, he walked with them. He taught them things, and what they did was they recorded, 
you know, the things that he had written. I mean, that's what the Gospels are, you know, uh, and, and others encountered Christ and then wrote about it. And then others uh, just wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, including the entire, you know, Old, Old Testament. So that led into, you know, where he was pointing, I think, towards traditionalism. He was leaning towards Old Testament stuff. He says, well, we include that. And I said, absolutely. You know, I just, I said, we feel that there's a tremendous continuity between the Old and the New Testament. We feel like the Old is the bridge to the New. But uh, I said, but then we focused on the teachings of Christ and how although Christ didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill the law, Christ did come and he, 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 he taught something else. He taught something different. And I gave him some examples. You've heard it said, but I say to you, you know, which Jim agreed with that. Um, you know, and all that was really, again, trying to revisit uh, or, or an op- another opportunity to to really validate the teachings of Christ because I wanted to hold him to Scripture. I wanted to hold him, not to traditionalism as he understood it, but to hold him to the claims of Christ. You know, so we talked about that a little while, but I, I think where it got, you know, I think where, where Jim, you know, started asking questions back, and that's always a good thing for me, is, you know, rather than just receiving it, but he's actually interacting with what we said by asking questions, you know, and 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 I and and I like that because I like for them to answer my questions. You know, it shows thoughtfulness and 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 maybe even a a, a courtesy to each other that you would engage and ask instead of just hearing and dismiss because you don't want to be a part of the conversation, um, getting somebody off your back, so to speak. You know, so. But when we got into talking about you know uh, like the standard that God has. You know, I thought that's where it, where the conversation was was the strongest, because we talk about the need, the need for for God, you know, the need for Christ's righteousness. Because before meeting Christ, before putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, man is not in good standing with God. Now Jim would say that, but then you've heard him later. He'd come back and say, "Well, well, what about this person that lived his life so good?" And I'm like, "Well." And we just helped Jim to see, Jim, that was never the standard. And he didn't push back on that. You know, when I said that, he, he just kind of took that, which I think that's a good thing. Maybe he'll process that. Because they have to see that the standard was never goodness. If it was, it's impossible because it's very clear that man has no goodness apart from Christ. Which he agreed with earlier. So all we're doing is holding him to the claims that he made and helping him be consistent and see the logical conclusion of the the very claims that he says he upheld, you know. So, so that's a kind of a nutshell version of a a lot of the things that we talked about, you know. Which which I thought was good, you know. I don't I don't, and that's another reason I would say today was was good, you know. Uh, you know, as far as as far as witnessing to those out there was concerned, you know, because there for me there's there's two two different ministries happening there, all under the glory of God, all with gospel intent. One, we're trying to get these babies rescued, and we're trying to have the souls of men rescued, you know. And so I think as far as the souls of men, I think for Jim to be confronted with that truth and to have to process that, you know, even if he doesn't agree with it right now, I mean, I, I, I am confident that when the Apostle Paul writes and encourages the church in Corinth and says, look, you know, look, our job is to plant and water. God brings the increase. You know, that God's word doesn't return void. I have to trust that, look, my job's easy. You know, I'm not responsible for the supernatural end of this. You know, Jim's been confronted with truth, 
And the good thing is he can reject that truth 4,000 times. He can suppress that truth 4,000 times. You know, and when and if God says now the time, now it's time for the truth to land, you know, that's when God brings the increase. So the beauty of it is truth is more powerful than man's deceit, than man's delusion, um, than, 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 than the lies of the enemy. You know, uh, the word of God is, is like you, like we said earlier, living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And, uh, and when God intends for the increase to come, he brings it and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Amen. Um, we tried to talk to Ernie today too. Um, he's another Catholic. Uh, he was very eager to leave. <laughs> he, his, he said his wife had uh, something going for him, and and so he needed to get out of there. So all I was able to ask him was, um, Ernie, what must I do to be saved? And he was like, Well, you got to believe in um, this and that. And I didn't really get a, a, I don't think a good Catholic presentation of their gospel, you know, um, he was just so eager to get out of there. And Alan and I talked about, you know, what do you do in a situation like that where you have, I mean, we have a short time to talk with the people pulling into the abortion clinic, but when you're standing with someone intentional about sharing the gospel with them and then they're, they're there and they're gone, you know, (laughs) it's kind of, it's a little defeating, but at the same time we got to, uh, trust that that God's going to do a work in them. And, and if he is bothered by, you know, stuff we're talking about, hopefully it's, um, hopefully it's convicting. Hopefully it'll point him to the word and, and further study and prayer. And, and hopefully he comes to believe the true gospel and not trust in himself. Cause it, it sure seems like they may not say works, but they, they say it by, you know, even what Jim said, you know, uh, he, this guy lives 50 years, a good life, but he, he does something terrible and becomes a serial killer in the last year of his life, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, I mean, that's a tough scenario, Jim, but if someone's not truly saved, it's not because of their works, you know? But, but also, I mean, you remember, keep in mind that when Jim said that and we said, you know, he who makes a practice of sinning is not born of God, right. is not born again. He had nothing to say. Yeah. You know, so I feel that the Word of God just stopped him in his tracks. You know, it's like he, he hasn't... He hasn't been trained to rationalize that or to, you know, bend that text to fit his agenda. So he's just got to take that on the chin and be like, okay, what do I do with that? And to Ernie's defense, he did sprint to his car. (laughs) The the wicked flee when no one pursues. (laughs) So, you know. I don't don't think Jim has heard it said before, so he can regurgitate it back. I'm sorry, say that again? I don't think Jim, you know, just like when Alan was saying, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you have heard it said before. Jim yeah. didn't hear that from you know his priest or somebody. You have heard it said, so he right. can give a defense. Right, 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 right But, right. but I think um, if I can interject a yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think they're real big on free will in the Catholic Church, and Jesus says, "He who sins is a slave to sin." They don't understand as far as just like when Alan was giving a presentation as far as Adam's sin to all humanity and, and all we all fall falling underneath Adam. Um, they don't understand as far as through Adam, our free will is to sin, and and yeah. that destroys that standard of anything good of we think of because they're you know I hear that all the time you know I'm good I'm trying to be good and you know I think our lifestyle teaches us okay we do something bad we got to compensate and do some more good mm-hmm. you know and I just see that even through all religions like you have to destroy that way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, to quote Steve Lawson again, he says, "You have a free will to go to hell." Yeah. Um, 
and we have we're I even talked about that on the on the ladder um, today that you know they they are slaves to sin uh, if they're here you know um, we're slaves to righteousness being Christian um, but he's a he's a good master you know his his yoke is light um, and so we long to do what's right um, but uh, you know we still have sin in us uh, not in the condemnation sense but we do commit sin and uh, a, a true believer will be repentant and uh, it won't have a practice of sinning um, but yeah and it, it was good to meet Matt today too I, I got to speak with him a little bit he's he, he's definitely uh, on fire and he's I feel his his pain he says his church is not um, not very supportive at all and some some people are outright you know um, reject what he's trying to do wow. you know um, by bringing the gospel to this place and and um, so I, I I feel for him because that's the church I left in Florida. Um, yeah, they just uh, met. Some people were like, you know, way to go. I'm glad you're doing this. Which uh, you know, nobody needs an an attaboy doing this, but it, it is nice to get some sort of you know positive feedback uh, from people. But a lot of times you get a you know um, I don't think what you're doing is right, and I think you should approach it a different way. Which, you know, Monday through Friday, I can give to a, a pro-life group or I can give to this or that or whatever. But um, with the time that I have, you know, I, I, um, I, I don't really have an excuse to, to not do my best here. You know, I have a, a Saturday morning I can go and be the last line of defense for these, for these people. Um, I just want to ask you one question, Aaron, yeah. as far as us being out there and us having a lot of disputes with a lot of people. How encouraging is it to have Alan out there with us? Because it almost feels like he, <laughs> he validates yeah. us being out there, you know? <laughs> oh, it was super encouraging, you know, because <laughs> I can almost feel like I'm I'm trying to be critically thinking while I'm saying things, and I'm like, okay, he could do this or he could do that with it. Alan, am I okay in saying this or that? Yeah. <laughs> So I have like a little, a little hey, uh, can you proof check this this comment for me real quick? You know, <laughs> yeah. But I liked what you said, uh, Alan. You know, seminary it gives you a lot of tools to to, to sharpen with. You know, so um, that doesn't mean you and of yourself as an authority by any way, as far as you know, just you as a man. But um, but it does give you a lot of tools to to know what God has said in His Word, and um, and that's such a valuable trait out here. Um, knowing the Word of God, um, me and Antoine, we're not trained men, um, but and we're not we're not super. We don't have the the Bible in our heads either, you know, as far as the whole thing. But God brings um, verses to mind, and and if if you know, it, it kind of let's say we know ten verses. That's ten more than some of these people know, you know. So it, it's a blessing to have His Word and to have. Um, a church that encourages Bible reading and encourages knowing His Word, because these some of these folks are just going off of what they're what they're taught alone. They're not they're not testing it with with the scriptures. You know, the scriptures say to test the spirits. So we're we're, we're supposed to test things and and run them by what what God's Word says. Are you about to say something? Yeah, I had two things. You know, I was thinking of this earlier. You know, in when you talked about Matt, is that his name? Yeah. When you talked about him and how maybe his church isn't as supportive, I mean, I get that. There's a culture. There's been a, there, uh, shifts in culture happen all the time. Obviously, you know, 
you know, there's a, there's a paradigm shift where, you know, in Jesus culture, it's robes and sandals. There's a clothing culture. There's a worship culture. There's, you know, there's a ministry paradigm culture. There's all that kind of stuff. And it all changes. And the problem is, you know, uh, the, the, the shifting paradigm of culture is, 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 well, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's not the authority. You know, it's like if you have to wear a suit and tie, because I was a, you know, I, you know, I, I know of a church that had said in order for ministers to be effective, they have to wear a suit and tie, and that, and that comes from a church that was immersed in a 1950s culture, mm-hmm. you know, and so they're imposing a non-biblical standard. They're imposing an opinion. They're imposing a preference that was in that was in that they were indoctrinated by, uh, with from a culture, you know, and and we're all guilty of that. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're all guilty of that, you know, and so sometimes it's hard to shake those things. You know, you've heard it said before, hey, you know, uh, you can change the method, just don't change the message. And and I hate to, I hate to sound cliche, but I, it's, it's, it is true. It is true. I mean, we're giving the gospel, you know, whether I'm doing it from a bullhorn on a soapbox, like a, like a, like an old, old an old school. Sorry, that's my wife oh, checking nice. Oh, got a nice um, sound tone on there. Yeah, whether it's. You know, it used to be man eater, but uh, you know, sorry, <laughs> my wife's not a man eater. <laughs> but it used to be that, and it was funny until it wasn't. But, uh, but uh, you know, we um, church discipline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get we get derailed here in this in this car. Um, uh, so yeah, so but the point in all that talk about culture and stuff is this, you know. There's a there's a there's a movement by a certain culture that says, oh, you shouldn't hold signs; they're not effective. Oh, you shouldn't be so forward with people. Like maybe you know those certain advocates or something. They say, you know, you know, don't talk about God's wrath. Don't talk. Don't say it's murdering babies. Don't 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 use pejorative or strong language. You know, let's 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 be soft. You know, let's not run them away. I, I hear all that, and I think there's a certain wisdom in some of that, and, and it depends on your context. I said, but but, but here's the let's be clear. When did it? When did what the disciples did become taboo? When when did that standard become unacceptable for us? You know, because if I remember, I mean these these disciples in the Book of Acts, you know, when the local church was when the gospel was just going to town, I mean they're going house to house and they're not they're they're withholding nothing from people. You know, I mean look at look at Paul's language and how he dealt with people. You know, I mean the, look at how Jesus himself dealt with the unbelieving world. I mean, my goodness, I mean, nobody spoke stronger than Christ. I mean, Jesus is the one who says, you're, a, you're in the Latin, a masso perdidio. You're a, you're, a, you're a massive destruction when he's speaking to the Pharisees. And he calls them devils, or and he calls them, you know... Whitewashed uh, tombs. Yeah. I mean, what if we came out there and, and, and talked to people, you know, that are killing babies, or, or, or you know, and, and I get it, you know, a lady who drives in to have an abortion, maybe that's a bit different than, you know maybe a Pharisee who is standing in direct opposition to Christ. There's some differences, some similarities, but you get what I'm saying. The point is back then the standard was set, man. The foundation was laid and you know, Jesus was gentle, but he was also very firm and very strong when, 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 when the context was appropriate for that. So it drives me nuts when people say, well, that's not effective or you shouldn't use strong language. You know, I mean, it's, it's extremely hypocritical. You know, because that same person that says, ah, well, don't talk to them with strong language. Don't say it's murdering babies. Don't do that. What happens? Then, then don't tell the murderer that he's murdered somebody. 
you know, don't tell the rapist, oh, you know, well, you you violated someone's person. You've you've raped them. You've 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 taken something from. You've scarred them forever. You don't use that strong language. You know, no, that's that's crazy. <laughs> you know, because it's a it's a standard that people are trying to uphold on one end, and they're they're completely loose with, if not completely abandoned on another. So it's inconsistent and it's hypocritical, and that's strong. And I might get in trouble for that. <laughs> but but that's how I feel about that. And I I thought that to myself when I came this morning, or when I was praying last night. Actually, I was like, you know what, Lord, Lord, give me boldness and make it that I'm not afraid of men. You know, because because we're not to be, we're not to have the fear of men in us, but the fear of God, you know? And so that was one thing that I prayed and, and quite frankly need to pray more often because I'm prone to those things. The other thing I want to say is whenever you were talking about, you know, me being seminary trained and maybe knowing the Bible in this way or that way, and as opposed to somebody else, when Ernie, is that his name? Yeah. Tall when, guy. when Ernie came up to us and he said, you know, we're not saved now, we're saved then. I think he made that comment. Yeah. yeah. And I'm racking my brain to find a scripture in my mind that I've known for years that I just couldn't recall. I'm like, <laughs> I have a response to that. I have a biblical response because I, because I'm trying to respond with Bible, right? You know, because my opinions don't matter. You know, so I'm trying to respond with the with Bible, and the and the text is you know First Corinthians fifteen one. Paul says, "I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have, which you received, past tense, in which you stand presently, and that is salvific." which means you stand on the gospel, you stand saved now, by which you are being saved. You know, so there's this sentiment here that the gospel is doing a saving work from the beginning to the end. He who, here's another verse, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen. And that's not what Ernie was saying. You know, I mean, it sounded like he was pointing to Purgatory. salvation, okay, it comes later. No, it, salvation is now and later. It's, it is a process. He began it now, we're secure now. And he will finalize things at the glorification of all things, at the consummation, you know, uh, of bride and groom, Christ and his church, you know. And so, so anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, it's quite often that these words of God that I've tried to hide in my heart, they're so deep in there, they don't, they don't surface when I need them. Yeah. <laughs> what, what Ernie does with the, uh, with his view of salvation is almost, I'm kind of thinking in my, my mind, the, um, the golden chain of redemption. Those he foreknew, he also predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. He almost cuts off the glorified portion and then shifts everything to the right, you know? <laughs> so you're only justified once you're in heaven. Like, uh, that's that's the kind of vibe I get from him. Um, uh, Antoine, uh, you talked to a lady that was there uh, her first time today. What, what did y'all talk about? Oh, you're talking about the one that came with? Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody? Oh, she was just talking about as far as um, um, just she went through a divorce and I guess she had had it on her heart to be out there. I guess her being a woman and a single parent, she says she you know she gets it, and you know the way she can kind of I guess be on the same page with a lot of these women is maybe they're in a hard place. She gets it. Maybe people want to use the excuse they don't, you know, they can't they can't do it. Um, basically. Um, just talking about that and I was just telling her has she ever had experience like face to face contact she was like no yeah. and that's a big old dog that's a big, that was a, that wasn't a dog that was a bear <laughs> um, anyways I was just giving her a little bit of um, as far as some of the um, experiences we had out there and just as far as uh, I was like you know it's, it's not easy 
you know, you come face to face with people, especially when they're, you know, about to kill their child or, I mean, you kind of, when you talk to people, you're, people are opening you up to their life. And a lot of people feel convicted because they're like, you know, I don't want you in my business for, mm -hmm. for number one. Number two is like, you know, who are you to judge me? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so I was really just um, trying to encourage her either being a woman. And I was like, you know, you have something we don't have, you know, yeah. you're, you're a lady. I, I feel like it's, 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 it's good to see women, more women out there. Um, she had uh, her child with her too, which is another layer of, um, you know, saying things while not saying things, you know, having children out there, having women out there, I, I'm sure has an effect on people because once the Catholic crew leaves and the early morning Protestant crew leaves, there's like no more women and there's uh, a few, few good men. <laughs> um, so, and, and Alan. <laughs> and, uh, so it gets very masculine very fast and that's not a bad thing you know we need we need men we need men to be convictional and and to stand up for for the unborn and uh to have have an ounce of courage when it comes to this but we also need women to have an ounce of courage to come out here and and because uh, you don't know what the lord's going to use with who's out there you know um so we, we just need to have um all avenues you know, going going to this place. Also, um, another thing is just um, pray for Marley, um, a lady that came out who said she was just getting a pregnancy test. Um, I felt like it was mo it was more than that because she was kind of shaking a little bit. She was smoking um, a little cigar. Was, she was a little shaky, so uh, I felt like it was more than maybe a pregnancy test. I don't know. Um, we're not here to kind of question her, <laughs> but I gave her the gospel. Pray that that um, God's gospel will penetrate her heart and that He will change her, regenerate her, give her a new heart. Um, I don't. I'm not aware of any turnaways this morning, but um, I I do know that us being out there, supposedly, uh, Planned Parenthood has a has a statistic saying that if there's one person out there, they lose 75 percent of their business. You know, they, it's a deterrent more than it is uh, turnaway. So. When we get caught up in counting turnaways, that, that's a that's a fine thing to do. You know, we can we can count. There's nothing wrong with that. But we also want to give God all the glory for whatever happens out there. Um, and as far as uh, cigars go, um, cigars smoking cigars is sin. We need to tell Stephen Finley that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alan, were you about to say something? Yeah, I, I'll say. You know, I I am a person that in in years past. I struggled with how effective a a sign was, and I, speaking of seminary, I'll tell you one thing: what what seminary will do, or probably should do, maybe it should. I don't know. Maybe I'm bad. Is you know, as I've grown, you know, my mind changes so much on things, you know, and I think that's good. I do think it's good. I hope I hope that the things that have changed have changed for the better. Um, but you know, I used to think, you know, man. If you're holding a sign, you're not able to engage that person. It's really not doing any good, you know, and, and I can see why people would say that. I do think there are some, you know, and hopefully this is the minority, but I do think there are some that may say, ah, a sign's not effective, and it's maybe more of a justification for themselves to not have to come out there, you know. Uh, and I, and I, and I don't, I'm not thinking of a single person at all. Um, I'm thinking, well, other than myself, 
because I used to think that, and for me, it was more of a, you know, I just didn't want to be confrontational. There was a timidity there. And, you know, quite honestly, there are people that are born, and they just, God has given them a boldness. You know, I think of I think of you guys, I think of Benjamin Wilson and several other people that, that God has blessed me with in my life over the years that are just bold, you know, and it's not, it's not that easy for, I would say, most people. It's not that easy for me. Um, you know, I, I get nervous. I was very nervous uh, upon arrival. You know, I did not arrive thinking, all right, I'm going to, I'll show these guys what, how to do it, you know, at all, at all. You know, it was really, you know, I want to, I, I kind of wanted to take an apprentice role and see how these, how, how you guys were doing everything that you've been doing. And I walked away very, very encouraged, uh, delighted at the, at the opportunity I had to talk with Jim, very much appreciated that. Um, you know, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll, but yeah, this was all in response to what you said about 75%. I didn't know that until you said that today. And that, in my mind, makes such a huge difference. A, I do think signs are helpful. I'll say that on record. Um, because if you're if you're just sharing with them a, a, a truth from Scripture or whatever, if they can see it and it can resonate with them, you know, it's God's Word. You know, if it's if it's a principle from God's Word or if it's God's Word, the power's there. And to say, and if, if they see it and maybe... And maybe in their brain it creates some kind of neurological highway or a snapshot or something that they can't shake, you know. Then, then again, we we stand behind the power of God's word. We don't give it the power. And so, for for that, I would say I, I'm an advocate for signs. I'm an advocate for that, um, you know. Uh, but the fact that 75 percent uh, uh, it hurts their business by 75 percent is that what you said? Uh, that's what the movie said. So that's that's amazing to me, you know, because that's you know, that's how many kids that may not have been aborted that day or during that time, which would have given time for, you know, maybe during that time that the parents said, not today, not today, because there are people out there, maybe during that time, that's mm-hmm. when God rescued that child. You know, mm-hmm. that's huge. I mean, time is time is a huge factor. You know, we want to give these unborn children time. We want parents to have time to ruminate and to consider the ramifications of their of their actions or potential actions, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, as, as grim and as bleak as it is to see so many women driving in there making these decisions, you know, at the end of the day, man, it is, it is, it is not a sin from which they can't be rescued. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you, uh, and it sounds hard. You, you, God can redeem a woman who's aborted a thousand babies, you know, mm-hmm. because, because my, my, my sin of pride, my gossip, you know, my, my haughtiness, my my lust of the flesh these these sins are you know these sins separate me from God just the same you know or did separate me from God just the same so Christ's righteousness you know I mean that's the beauty of his righteousness that's why we sing songs about the blood of Christ not that we're sadistic weird people that like blood but I mean how can you be in Christ and not find just so much comfort in the fact that my wickedness and my wretched behavior and thoughts can be made white as snow, you know, through mm-hmm. through Christ. I mean, it's, you know, there's there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate me from God at this point, you know. So, uh, and for that matter, for for the, for the Catholics' ideology of, you know, and uh, of a mortal sin, you know, which. Uh, which Jim alluded to, I would say this, the scripture says that nothing can separate you from the love of God, not heights, nor depths, nor angels or principalities, things present, things to come, nor powers. And it says, nor any other created thing 
you know, no created thing, which means my decisions, once God has me, those cannot separate me. You know, mm-hmm. that I cannot do anything to pull myself away from Jesus if I'm in him. And that doesn't speak to me. That speaks to the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I wanted to say. Amen. Um, thank you for that gospel focus. Um, and uh, to touch on that, if if we don't, if we're not saved, if we're not secure, um, Romans 5, 1 is not true. We don't have peace with God. If If I'm able to pull myself from God, in his saving grace, then I really don't have peace with him, you know. Um, so it, it's, yeah, I'm thankful that you're out here. I'm thankful always for Antoine for being out here. Um, he, uh, no, I don't need a piece of gum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, to touch on boldness just uh, briefly. Um, just to I'm, FYI, just FYI, I just talked all in Antoine's face, and then he offers me a, <laughs> a, breath, a breath refreshment. <laughs> FYI, I didn't smell anything. Sorry <laughs> to derail you with such <laughs> trivial things. That's all good. But uh, I, I'm, I, I can, might be able to speak for Antoine. Antoine seems to be more naturally bold. But um, me, yeah. me, myself, and I am not bold by nature. I'm naturally shy. I'm naturally... Uh, wait a thousand years before I confront anybody. It's purely the grace of God that empowers me to do anything for Him. And uh, me and Matt were talking about that um, on the hill there. And he, he reciprocated the same thing. He said those words, basically. He said, I may be a Marine, but that means nothing. You know, I'm not bold. Um, I, I don't do stuff like this. It's Christ in me that's doing this. And it was it was cool to hear that because people a lot of times go like oh he's bold because he's a marine or he's in the military this or that he's bold because of that no that's it's it's all because of Christ and he gets all the glory well I don't want to hold anyone anyone up we're we're back now so um, any final words other than that we could say you're bold because you're in the air force because <laughs> <laughs> I make good decisions and I, I don't I don't join the army <laughs> sorry Caroline. Uh, <laughs> I, I think another thing, um, just one thing, just as far as to a footnote on what Alan was was saying, as far as, you know, we worship God because of what he's done to wipe our slate clean. And I think that's one thing why I embrace the grace of God through our faith and, we're, and we receive the imputed righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. And when God sees us, he sees Christ and nothing that we've done. And I think, you know, Catholics don't see that. They see that partial imputation, you know, Christ's death wasn't enough, so they have to add their works on top of it, whether yeah. in purgatory or they have that per- perfection that they're trying to achieve now. They're trying to have some type of purify their souls, you know, and I, and I just wanted to add that because you know, that's something, because I know the life that I live, I know I was never good, you know, and I think that's why I embrace Christ a lot more is because yeah, I know I can't earn my way to heaven. Right. And God reminds me that through the gospel that I can't. Amen. And w- what a testament to what they believe that they don't believe Christ's sacrifice was enough once for all. They have to represent uh, the sacrifice of Christ in the Mass. So mm-hmm. um, to be bold about it right now, is it's a false gospel if you believe that. You need to turn to Christ and live. Uh, put your trust in Christ alone, uh, in faith alone in Christ alone. And it's by God's grace alone that you do that. Amen. So. Uh, hey, Ridge Podcast. I think we're and, over and out here. And, and, and just another thing, when, when oh, you sorry. mentioned about the solas with Ernie, he's like, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> right, he, he rejects uh, grace alone. <laughs> gotcha. he, he does not like us using the phrase sola scriptura. Gotcha. He, mm. um, he believes in sola churcha. I don't know how you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw the one that. Okay. Uh, mm. Wow. All right. In honor of Jake Elliott, Haven Ridge out. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs>